seated. <clears throat> so, it's, uh, wow, it seems like so long since we've gotten to be together. See everybody, it was, what, last year, right? Are we, yeah, okay, sorry. I had to say something. So, I hope everybody uh, had a good Christmas with their families, and um, whatever you were doing, traveling, or just hanging out at home, I uh, hope it was a time of rest for you. And we'll talk about a little bit about that this morning. And uh, so if you're online, I'm glad you're here. If you're in person, same. And uh, if you don't know, my name's Michael, and I'm the pastor here uh, with this wonderful group of people. Uh, and so we're starting a new series uh, just entitled, Why? You know, I, as I was praying and um, just studying during the fall, um, asking God some tough questions, because we all do from time to time, uh, I started asking, Why? And this really was birthed out of uh, the miscarriage that Christy and I experienced um, early on in the fall, uh, just as we kind of prayed for understanding and um, asked God to uh, show us some things that would, you know, not give us a reason for that, because there's never really a reason for things like that to happen other than we live in a sinful world, but just asking God, what's something good, and what's the, maybe the reason for this? What do we need to learn from this? And we should always be asking those questions, because it's typically in those times that we grow the most. Uh, and so as I began to think and pray about this, it really kind of turned into uh, really a several-month uh, series on just asking some of those why questions. Uh, and so today, um, I want to push us towards asking the why questions a lot of us do, really kind of right at the beginning when we start it, we're starting to understand uh, maybe our faith, or maybe even as a kid, we wonder like, why are we here? What's our purpose? Why was the world created? And so we're going to start there, as you might imagine, at the beginning in Genesis 1. So you can go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn there uh, to Genesis chapter 1. <clears throat> And we'll be asking this question, why creation? So, um, and God, in all of his uh, infinite wisdom and his own presence, uh, why would he create? Uh, and so there's this phrase I want us to remember, God's greatest pleasure. Um, so as long as we remember um, that God takes great joy in who we are and his own creation, um, I think we can look at some other questions in the right way. So we'll start here this Sunday, and we'll just kind of move down the line and hopefully uh, answer a lot of questions that I think the Scripture has answers to. There's some that we ask, and we just go, yeah, we're not going to know until we're in heaven. Uh, but I think there's a lot that we can ask and say, this is what God said about this why question. And so before we jump into it, <clears throat> I want to share a video with you real quick. So go ahead and turn your attention to the screen and we'll jump back into it.
So God takes great delight in his creation. Um, he doesn't look at us and go, oh, man, why? Uh, it doesn't look at the world and the universe because he created it. And so in the same way, uh, maybe even like a skilled painter or a sculptor, uh, most of the time that person doesn't look at their work and go, why did I do that? Why did I do that? But God's got great pleasure wrapped up in his creation and in us. And so we look at why creation. I want to answer a few other questions that I think help us better understand why creation. And so the first one we're going to look at is why create anything? So when you ask the question about creation, that's the first fill in the blank. When you ask the question about creation, you, you probably at some point will go to like, well, why? I mean, why bother with any of it? You know, it seemed pretty complicated. There was a lot of work involved. And as we looked at Hebrews 4 today, uh, there was some rest involved for God too. So he says, we need to sit in his rest. He himself rested after creation. And when we look at this, why create anything? I think there's some hope that we can have in it because God had a purpose for it. Now, as I did some research just on like painters and sculptors and people who did different things, who created works of art, I came across an interesting account uh, of a guy named Michelangelo. You may know of him. He painted the Sistine Chapel, and he started that work in 1508. Uh, He was 33 years old, my age. He was 33 years old when he started that work, and he was working on a tomb at the time. Now, if anybody asks, you know, would you have more enjoyment on working on the Sistine Chapel or on a tomb, most of us would probably go, well, probably the Sistine Chapel. And so as he began that work, it's really not something he even wanted to do. Um, One of the greatest paintings in all the world, sitting on the the top of that church ceiling. Uh, And a year into it, he wrote this. It was a little poem. I'm not sure if he meant it to be funny, but I think it was a little bit comical. He said, I have already grown a goiter from this torture. Stomach squelched under my chin, spines all knotted from folding myself over. And he said a lot of other things I won't read, but he said this at the end, I'm not in the right place, I'm not a painter. You can imagine the person who painted the Sistine Chapel looked up, even after it was finished, and went, man, why did I even do this? Well, if you look at the ancient world, there's a lot of reasons for why people would sculpt or paint. A lot of it had to do with financial things that keep them going to support themselves. But at his heart, he was more of a sculptor. And as I, as I think about that, I'm glad that God, the creator of the universe, didn't look at his creation and go, why am I here? Like, why did I do this? But God himself looks down at us, and he's got some words to say about his creation. So um, hopefully you're there in Genesis chapter 1. The words are on the screen. We're not going to look at every verse, um, just simply because over the next several weeks we will look at every verse. But I want to kind of take pieces of this and help us understand why God did some of the things that he did. Uh, So in Genesis chapter 1, I'll start reading. It's on the screen. You should have it in front of you too. And God said in verse 3, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called the seas. And God saw that it was good, so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kind, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. After God made mankind, he said this 
And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning on the sixth day. So have you ever wondered why when you finish a project, maybe you get finished you know, shoveling the driveway and you feel good about that? You get all the snow out of the way, you're ready to go for the day, or maybe you're working on something that's taking you some time and you finish it and you feel good about that. Well, in the same way as God created, he said he, he saw it and it was good. And then towards the end of this, we see that he says it was very good in the Hebrew this word for, well, the word, two words here, is mehod tob. Just means exceedingly good, exceedingly pleasurable, enjoyable. So God, after he created every single element of the world and everything in it, he looked at it and he went, this is good. And then after he created man and woman, and he looks at the world, he goes, this is very good. He's not like a Michelangelo looking at the Sistine Chapel going, I'm not sure why I'm here. I'm not sure why I'm doing this. God said it was very Good. And so we need to just right at the very beginning of this, as we're asking these why questions, we have to go, okay, creation, God created for a reason, and what he thought about it was it was very good. And I think there's a lot of hopelessness in this season. So this is a word that I think we need to hear, and we, look at, we need to look at what God says, because sometimes we despair, and we go, I don't understand the purpose. Like, why am I here? What am I doing? What's the point of all of this? Well, God had a very specific purpose for us, and in just existing, and just Him allowing us to be here in His creation, He says, this is very good. And so here's the second question I want to answer in this, in creation. So why create anything? Well, we see that God says it was good. It was very good. He did this for a reason. And so the second fill in the blank is why create man? So hey, hey, God's there. He's got, you know, he's got the water. He's got the land. He's got birds flying around. He's got animals. He's going, now, what else do I need? What is the crowning element of creation? Well, mankind. Why? Because he gave us his image. We are his image bearers. And so what's the specific reason maybe for creation? Many times we ask ourselves this, well, why am I here? Maybe we realize what our calling in life is, and we do that, and we go, this is why I'm here. This is my purpose. But what's this overarching purpose for mankind? What is our purpose here on earth together? Well, I believe it's for God's glory. And I want to show you several places throughout the Scripture that I think support that. Uh, One is found in Isaiah 43, 5 through 7. I want to read that and just talk about what it says. Uh, So in Isaiah 43, 5 through 7, you should see it up there, but I'll read it for you. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So Isaiah is writing this during a time where Israel is having relatively good prosperity, so that things are going well, but he's writing about a time that's going to come where there's going to be great destruction. There's going to be great uh, heartache for the people. They're going to be taken into captivity. And Isaiah's writing this to encourage the people. He's going, God hasn't forgotten about you. God doesn't just leave us out there and go, there's no purpose, all this despair and this anguish and this difficulty. Uh, There's purpose in this. So we are to glorify him no matter what. So it says in verse 7, everyone who's called by my name, whom I created for my glory. So I like the word here he used, this word created for his glory. Well, it's a couple of words, barah kabod in the Hebrew, and just simply means 
that we've been created for is glory. So it's laid out there in the text, and these words are used a number of places in the, in the text. If you look in Genesis 1, 1, the word for created, it's right there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we know he's the author. Uh, and then Genesis 2, 3, it says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. If you've been reading through the quiet time, you've seen that element, that, that Christ is uh, above everything else. And we get to Hebrews chapter 4, we read this morning, the beginning of it, that he wants us to enter into that rest as well, to understand what it really means to sit in his rest. And part of this is understanding why we're here. So why creation? Why did he create? Why did he create anything? Well, we look towards his crowning achievement, his crowning creation, mankind, as his image bearers, and we go, oh, that's why we're here, that we might bring glory and honor to God. And so that second word there uh, is the word glory. Um, kabod in the Hebrew just means splendor, magnificence. Again, it's used a number of times uh, in the Old Testament, um, a lot of places in Psalms, you can imagine. Uh, in Psalm 3, 3, it says, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and a lifter of my head. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So what are we supposed to be about? Well, yes, um, bringing glory and honor to God, we sing about that. We want to bring him uh, praise, uh, but we also look towards God as he is our glory. And if you look throughout the Old Testament, you see that glory is also referenced as this, um, this same word that we're going to go and be in glory. So all these ideas, um, these concepts of God's creation, His rest, and His glory are all tied up together in this one purpose of His total glory. And if you keep reading throughout the book of Isaiah, you'll see in Isaiah 48, um, I just want to share just a couple of verses with you out of uh, chapter 48, 17 through 22. You can make a little note. I think it's in our notes here, and you can read that later. Um, But he also talks about peace and how this time for Israel is going to be difficult. And as God is going, I I care about you. I'm going to bring you back for my glory. Uh, I want you to understand one other piece of this. He says in verse 18 of chapter 48, Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. And you fast forward down to verse 22. It says, There is no peace, says the Lord for the wicked. So what's the consequence of, uh, of not following God faithfully, of not being dedicated to him? Well, it's the absence of this rest, of this peace that we can have. And this word here for peace in the Hebrew, you've probably heard it, probably seen it before, shalom. And what it literally means is completeness. Um, now, we get a lot of ideas from our culture of like what completes us, what makes us you know, whole and right, and we here know that the only thing that completes us is, is this relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ. So when he talks about this, when Isaiah's saying these words, he's going, hey, God said, remember, where does our peace come from? Well, it comes from being totally dedicated to God and being about his glory, going, God, you are our glory. We're looking forward to being with you in glory. We want to honor you in that. And if you jump over to Ezekiel, the, uh, another word's used here for how, really how God approaches himself in glory as well, because when we look at this and we go, what's the point of man? We know, okay, God created, he gets enjoyment out of that, his, his whole overarching scheme of creation, mankind, his crowning creation, his glory, his image bearers. And then we start to look at this, that we can, we can honor God, but then also there's this deviation that people can take, and yet God's still going to receive the glory. So in Ezekiel chapter 20, I'll read verses 8 through 10, just so we have the context here. It says, But they rebelled against me and were not willing to listen to me. 
None of them cast away the detestable things their eyes feasted on, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I saw I would pour then I said I would pour out my wrath upon them and spend my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt, but I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations among whom they lived, in whose sight I made myself known to them in bringing them out of the land of Egypt. So God loves his people. He wants to give us good things. He wants to show us his glory. But what is he ultimately about? Well, his own glory. He says here, but I acted for the sake of my name that it should not be profaned. Well, that's what we should be about. But at times too, you look at the the life of the people of God who were in the Old Testament coming out of captivity and God just keeps rescuing them over and over again. And they still just, they keep not getting it. And he goes, okay, I'm going to continue to rescue you. I'm going to continue to love you because I'm working for my name's sake. So that the nations, when they look at God, they're not going, oh yeah, he's just like all the other gods. No, this is a God who's holy other. He's wholly different. Like when the, when the people would <clears throat> look at him, he, he wants them to go, okay, he really is serious about his glory. He's not just falling asleep on the job. Um, and so... As we think about this, God's glory, creation, man's purpose, we can, like the people of God, we can make these decisions to, um, to, to not honor God, to walk away and go, okay, uh, I'm not going to be wholly dedicated to you, and he's, he's going, I'm still going to work for my own namesake. So the question is, do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be a part of the, the glory that he allows us to take part in? Uh, because as we jump to the New Testament, I want to look at a word in uh, chapter 1 of Romans, um, <clears throat> which will bring us right back to this place in the Old Testament of the same word for glory. So God's about his glory. He allows us to be a part of it. But then there are those who will choose to say, hey, look, I know who God is. I see him in the creation. Uh, and, but you know what? I don't want to be a part of that. And he's got some words for us about this as well. So if you look to Romans chapter 1. We'll just look at a few verses here, uh, starting in verse 21, Romans 1, 21. It says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So it's one of the saddest, I think, uh, accounts in the New Testament because what does God do? He gives us free will. He goes, here is why I created. Here is why I created man as a whole, that, that man might bring me glory and honor. And I'm gonna con- he says, I'm going to continue to work towards that goal of bringing glory to myself. I'm working for my namesake. And here's what you can do. You can be a part of that. Do you want to be a part of that? He asked that question to all of us. And we answer that by going, yes, we do. We, we want to put our faith and trust in your son, Jesus, who went to the cross and died for us so that we might be a part of that glory so that we can live that life and have that, what the Old Testament calls that peace, that shalom, that rest, that we can be with God forever. And we're looking towards that glory. And then God, he doesn't sugarcoat things, right? So as we read throughout the scripture, as we try to understand it as a whole, we understand creation, why he did that, what man's purpose was. And then we look at this and we go, oh, but there's a choice that man makes. And so God's going to ultimately get all the glory no matter what. Man, some men will choose, some man of mankind will choose to walk away from God, and he's still going to get the glory from that in the judgment. Some will choose to follow him faithfully and wholeheartedly, and he will get the glory in that as well, and we'll get to participate in that looking towards heaven. 
But I want to turn our focus back towards the Old Testament because uh, Paul, as he's writing Romans chapter 1, <clears throat> he is uh, actually quoting uh, a verse in Psalm, Psalm 106, 20, uh, which uh, a lot of us think when we read that, hey, he's talking about the modern times. Well, he's talking about all people at all time, and God says, here's what people do. They exchange the glory of God for things that are worthless. In Psalm 106, 20, it says, they exchange the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. Well, that sounds silly, doesn't it? And when we look at the Old Testament, we see all these like this imagery of them taking like livestock and making them gods, and, and we're going like, that's silly. Like, why, why would they do that? That's, you know, that's ridiculous. But we make gods out of a lot of things that are just as silly. Sometimes other people, sometimes money, sometimes our possessions, sometimes our, maybe our position or our jobs in life, instead of making our main pursuit, our main goal, the main aim of our lives, God's glory, we make about other things. And as Paul's writing this, he's going, because he was a Pharisee, if you remember, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and so he knows the law, he knows the Old Testament, he quotes this psalm because he goes, it's been going on for a long time, and it'll continue to go on. As yet God creates, and he has this purpose for creation and mankind, he goes, you make the choice. I mean, you're going to bring, you know, I'm working for my own namesake. I'm, you're going to bring me glory no matter what, but you get this option to participate in glory now and this peace that you can have looking towards glory. And the same word is used in Jeremiah 2.11. It says, has a nation changed its gods even though they are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. And this word again in the Hebrew in the Old Testament, kabod, splendor or magnificence, it's that same word that's used in Isaiah 43, 7. So we have a choice. And, and sometimes we go, well, how do I know? How do I know if I'm operating like in, in giving God glory in my life's purpose? Well, there's a list in Romans 1 that tells us what's not. It starts with this, evil, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, strife, deceit, gossiping, slandering, well, hating God, that should be an obvious one, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. And if you look in this list, you see also disobedient to parents. So kids, remember that. <laughs> Disobedience to parents. It's a, good, it's a good sign that you're going off the track, right? You're going off the rails. You know, what's not bringing glory and honor to God? What's choosing to do things my own way? Well, it's right here. Uh, foolishness, uh, being heartless, and ruthless. So we have this option. We have this choice in life, and, and God makes it clear He's going to bring glory and honor to Himself uh, no matter which we choose. But we get this option. Isn't that, isn't that amazing that, that God just doesn't go, you have to do this because this is what I said. No, here's the glory. Are you going to exchange that for other things that, that, that are worthless? All, you look at these lists of things, somebody who operates in this way, it's not like it's a secret. It's pretty obvious if you're not operating in pursuing God and following Him wholeheartedly uh, daily as well. And so as we answer these questions, we've got, you know, why did God create anything? Like in, in the scope of creation, why did He get up and go, you know what? Creation. I've got this blank canvas and I want to put something on it. And why create man? Because what's happening in our culture just, I mean, it seems like daily. Like the value of human beings just keeps getting like just thrown to the curb. Um, I read this article this week uh, about this squirrel that went crazy. I think he was in England. And um, he was attacking people and, uh, you know, they, they called the animal control and really hurting people. It was weird. So they, they captured the squirrel and they were going, unfortunately, due to recent laws, 
we've had to put the squirrel down. And uh, we were so sad to have to do that. And I'm going like, he was attacking people. Like, why do you look at a squirrel and go like, oh, man, if there was anything we could do, like, you know, we, just, you know, maybe we can help him. <laughs> I'm not being sensitive to the squirrel community. I know that. But, but when you look, read those kind of things, you go like, what is wrong with the world? It was like this list of like 18 people that were going out to like take their trash out and the squirrel attacks them. And they're like, what is happening? And the animal control finally catches him, and they're like, you know what, could you save the squirrel? (laughs) No, he's attacking people, right? But we get confused about the image of God, don't we? We think like, you know, oh, yeah, he really hurt that person, that animal, like, but we should save him, you know? (laughs) Uh, No, in the grand scheme of things, what God creates, he creates human beings, his imago Dei, his image, uh, which we are placed here to bring him Glory and honor. And there's this participation that we can have in that that's so much sweeter than just going like, yeah, and you know, I'm going to bring glory to God one way or another. I mean, I'll just do my thing. And like, he's going to get me into heaven. And then, you know, you get there and it's like, man, I could have been living so differently. I mean, I could have been participating in this peace. I could have been like, when I read Hebrews 4 and, and I look at this rest, like that's, that's different than just us like living our lives and scrambling around and trying to get what we can, and then like at the end going like, what was it all for? If it wasn't for God's glory, if it was about anything else, then maybe we wasted our time, right? And so here's the last one. Why create if it ends? Why create if it ends? Uh, many people have asked this question before under this idea of creation. So why did God create? We've answered some of those questions. Why man? Um, why is there this importance and this placement, special placement put on man? And then I've heard this one before too under creation. What's the purpose? I mean, if it's just going to end, if God's going to come back and things are going to change. Uh, if you looked in Hebrews chapter 1 in the quiet time, um, you see this interesting text where it talks about, you know, Jesus being greater than everything, because that's what the book of Hebrews is about. But then it talks about him, like at the end of all things, he's rolling up this creation that's been really destroyed by the fall, that's been just cursed with it. And we see the effects of that every day. But I love that imagery because it says that he rolls up this old creation, like this old garment. What do you do with old garments, right? Maybe around Christmas time, we've been getting like more, you know, more like sweaters, you know, whatever for the season. Or going like, I don't need that. Oh, that's got holes in that. We should throw that away or give it to somebody else. We got like this. This is nice. In the same way, Jesus, he's, he's rolling it up for a purpose. And so in Hebrews 1, it says he rolled this, rolls that up like an old garment. Revelation 21, 1 through 4 reminds us what we get to look forward to, this glory in the future. So we understand creation. Why was the world created? Well, because God, he took pleasure in this. It was one of his, it's his greatest accomplishment. And then man, his greatest, his image bearers. And then we look to this, why create if it ends? What's the purpose? Man fell, God said, what are you doing? Well, he knew from the very beginning that man would choose to do wrong and he had this, I love what one of um, our oldest little Bibles, uh, Alana's Bible has. We read it to her every night. Um, it always talks about God being this rescuer. And he's got this rescue plan. And he knew what the rescue plan was from the very beginning because he's God. And he knew this would happen. And so he goes, have God the plan. I knew man was going to do this. And so what do we have to look forward to because of that? Why create if it ends? Well, we'll see. In Revelation 21, 1 through 4, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. 
And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And aren't we, aren't we glad for that? Like when we think about creation, uh, we, love, like we, we love reading those stories, um, thinking about it like in, you know, in a nice way. We look at like those pictures like the Sistine Chapel and like just how some people, even though they weren't believers, uh, can give us this beautiful representation of what God did. But then they miss all these other things, the beauty of belonging to God, the glory that we can have uh, in knowing him, and then looking forward to this future glory. So, so why create if it ends? Like if you were there with God in the beginning, like, God, knowing what you know, why would you create the world and everything in it and mankind if you knew that this was going to take place? Because I've got this better plan, that as man lives and operates, and some try to bring glory to me, all eventually will. And I love what he says here at the end is John's, you know, he's writing really the last words that he's ever going to write sitting on the island of Patmos. Uh, he's, he's telling us what he's seeing, and he says he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And what is he going to do? He's going to do away with some things. So like Hebrews 1 talks about, if you read that in the quiet time, it's really kind of a cool text, um, one that we don't think about a lot, where he just, he rolls it up. He's like, tears, I'm rolling that up. Pain, I'm rolling that up. Sorrows, I'm rolling that up. And so as I think about the things that have happened to, to me in life and to us, you know, I go back to um, the miscarriage for us, and I go, God, you know, what was the purpose of all those things? And if nothing else, as we live and operate in the sinful world, and, and terrible things happen, and we may not always have answers to that, but when we look at what God's Word tells us, we look forward to, and I think we anticipate even more so. Like as God was going, I, I know man's going to fall. He's going to make mistakes. But as I show him who I am, my glory, he's going to look to me and he's going to go, oh, how much better is that? That we get something amazing to look forward to as, he, as he's looking to making all things right. And as the writer of Hebrews says, he rolls everything up. And we get to anticipate this. Like, I just think of, like, being there, you know, on that day. We, you know, we get raptured, and then he's, he's, uh, he's uh, folding away everything else. We're watching him roll up the universe like this garment. And he's creating the new heaven and the new earth. One of the things I'm not going to miss are tears, right? And we all experience that. Sadness, death. Uh, we all will experience that at one point or another unless Jesus comes back. We experience that in the life of our family, loved ones, those who go before us. What about mourning? Sometimes those things seem like they never end or they stay with us for a lifetime. Crying and pain. And certainly those elements are all throughout life. So when we're asking this question, why creation? Like what's the purpose of it all? Well, God, he, he ultimately, he enjoyed creating. He still does enjoy his creation. And he created man for a specific purpose to bring glory and honor to himself. He could have just left it alone, but he said, I'm going to create image bearers who can be my leaders on earth. And why create if it ends? Like, what's the point of all of it? Why creation? Well, God's given us this great perspective that even though he knew we were going to fall, he's looking at that moment in time, not like us who are like looking back and going, yeah, it was this point in time. God sets himself outside of it and he looks and he goes, hey, there's good news. There's this end to all these things. I'm going to roll this up, and I'm going to bring down this new heaven, this new earth. And we get to sit with God in that moment. We won't be going, oh, man, I'm so sad. I'm so, I'm so upset. I, I can't believe this has happened. No, because he's going to do away 
with those things. So they have a place for a time in our fallen world. But full circle as we answer these questions like, why God? Why this? Why that? I hope that as we walk through this together, we can answer some of those questions, give ourselves hope. Um, the world needs that. It seems like you know now more than ever, uh, you, you look at 2022 and go, is it going to be any different? <laughs> I hope so, right? But maybe for us, as we like we talked about, we just think about those New Year's resolutions. A lot of us will do, you know, set those things up, say we're going to do something, and then two weeks later, we're not doing it anymore. Uh, maybe just ask yourself, like in Hebrews 4 today, as we think about creation, how can I just sit in God's rest? Maybe we need to do that for a moment um, today. Uh, maybe just find a place just to get alone and go, God, if I don't really ever take the time to sit in your rest on his day, on the Lord's day, on the Sabbath, let me do that today and say, God, thank you for creation. Although at times, you know, we experience pain and difficulty. We know you've put us here. You've placed us here for a reason. Don't lose hope because uh, God's got you here to bring glory and honor to himself. And, and if, it, if it all ends, which it will, we have this perspective that he's going to make everything right. He's going to do away with all those things. And we'll be looking back at this going, man. If I, if I only could, underst- could have understood that better. Let's just think on that today, okay? Uh, and so I'm, I'm really excited about where we're going and where the, what the series is going to do um, just for the next several um, months, getting to look at those why questions. And I don't have all the answers for sure. Um, God does those, does have those. So when you get to heaven, ask him the ones that I can't answer. Uh, but I hope that just in the simple series, we'll be able to look at some of these why questions and go, God, why this? Um, next week, we'll be looking at why gender popular topic for our time for sure, uh, and hopefully be able to answer some of those uh, questions surrounding that, okay? Uh, maybe you're here today, though, and you've asked some of these why questions. Why does God allow this to happen? Why, is he, why did he create? Why did he bother? And maybe we answered some of that today, um, but I, I just, I don't know. I have this thought that, um, like what God's Word says, maybe you're listening online, you're here in person, you're going, I just don't get it. Well, God's given us this opportunity, not just to like live in the world and forsake his own glory for everything else. Like, Don't waste your life. Uh, take this opportunity to go, God, I want to admit I'm a sinner because we all make mistakes. We at times do exchange his own glory for what we think will bring us more joy. Um, and then we need to believe that Jesus sent God's son. We just celebrated that Christmas. You know, he came in the form of the little you know, cute, cuddly baby. And we need to remember what he's done for us and going to the cross so that we might confess that he's the Lord of our life, that he would change everything, that we stop exchanging all this uh, glory, this counterfeit glory for things that will never make us whole. Like the, like the Old Testament t- shows us, if you look at that word again, uh, shalom, peace or completeness, we might have that in God alone as he glorifies himself. Uh, we might understand that better as we walk through this. Um, so if that's you and you've never made that decision to trust in Jesus, um, feel free to reach out to us online. Uh, if you're in person, be here. I can talk to you more about that. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we uh, thank you uh, for this time to think about what you're doing. Um, God, in these why questions, there's so many that we have. Uh, there's, uh, there's not all the answers that we can understand in our, our small minds. Um, God, I feel small. Um, as I'm up here and I'm talking about these things, pray that you would give us uh, illumination um, into your heart and your mind uh, of when we ask these things, why, question mark. I pray that you'd help us to understand them. And for the ones that we don't have answers to, God, I pray that we would be patient. Um, glory and eternity comes quickly for all of us um, and that we, you will answer all of those things. Um, help us to deal with the things that we can deal with in this life and the questions that we can't answer. And it's your name we pray. Amen.
Uh, love you, church family. Have a wonderful Sunday, and uh, be careful out there in the snow. It'll be uh, fun to watch the Bills playing in it. So have a good day.